Welcome to London Welsh Rugby Club Podcast. This is episode 46. Our guest this week is a big character who has made a significant contribution to the club's history across a four-year period, which included promotion to the Premiership and was captain for a couple of seasons. A boy who started his rugby career or journey at Caldicott RFC at five years old and remains there now, helping to coach the senior team. He has played with and against some of the best players in the world, including being in the Ospreys team who beat Australia in 2006. We chat about combining studying and playing rugby, and then the transition from rugby to his career now in financial services. Our guest this week is Mike Powell. Enjoy. This podcast is sponsored by London Welsh Developments. London Welsh Developments offer the entire range of services for all your home needs, from plumbing, electrical, joinery and building and maintenance. There are many years of experience building all forms of extensions and conversions, the odd new build and some bespoke garden rooms and home offices. You will clearly see the attention to detail and understanding of your home that is difficult to match. They really do care and want the best for your home with no stone left unturned. For more information, contact London Welsh Developments on 0208 335 9123 or email on info at lwdltd.co.uk London Welsh Developments. Welcome to the pod, former London Welsh skipper, Ospreys and Birmingham Mosley lock forward, Mike Powell. How are you, Mike? Very good, Gareth. Yourself? I'm very well indeed. I'm very well. The sun's out. Uh, day after the Six Nations, but, you know, we're still in lockdown. So how's that lockdown life been for you and the family in Wales? Well, the sun's actually out in Wales as well today, which is which is good. It's a, it's a rarity, as you, as you, as you know. <laughs> um, lockdown is, is tough, isn't it? It's, it's tough on everyone. Um, for myself, I work from home, so I'm sat in my office now. Um, so that work side of things hasn't been affected that much. It's actually, you know, my productivity and what we've actually done this year has, has, has increased on the previous two years. The major downside to me is I can't have anyone into the, you know, into the office. We've got a, a couple of girls we employed to do all the admin and stuff and a couple of other brokers as well who either on an employed or self-employed basis. And they're all working from home, so it's just me getting used to teams and... Um, I'm probably less uh, organised on teams and computers than I used to be, you know, managing a lineup. So uh, it's, it's hard work. <laughs> so uh, uh, less IT enabled, shall we say? That other people within your team are—that's uh, their strong point, and so maybe not yours. Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. Um, I somehow managed to get myself a, an A level in computers when I was in school. God knows how. I, <laughs> I struggled to turn a thing on, like when you said to me. <laughs> You'll have to plug in your headset into the uh, laptop today. I was thinking, oh, my God, I've never even done that before. How do I do that? But I've managed to do that. So here we are, and you can hear me, hopefully. And, and the pandemic hasn't affected, like, you know, mortgages and insurance in any way. I suppose people have moved house less, maybe? No, uh, complete opposite. So, um, like, the mortgage market last year had its best year since, I think it was 2008, the stats will show, um, which goes against all sorts of um, sanity, really. You think in the middle of a global pandemic, but... Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who will realise that they don't like the person they're living with because they're seeing seeing each other a lot more often. So there's people separating and looking. That normally ends up with two houses. Um, 
and people have just been in their houses so much more and they're thinking oh, i don't actually like where i live because normally they you know just use it as a base or you know they do say well oh, i actually like where i live but they want to borrow a bit extra to put on an extension conservatory do the garden um people we've had a couple of people who've had their weddings cancelled so instead of paying for a wedding they've then gone and said right well we'll actually use that money to put down as a deposit on a house um and yes yeah, so it's strangely it's been very very busy well, that's good, yeah. And you obviously look, you look well, so you've obviously kept active during the during the lockdown, and to make sure you've you know had your daily exercise, that sort of thing. Try to. I wouldn't say daily. Uh, maybe maybe by daily, maybe a couple of times a week. We um. So I got my little. Not that anyone can see this, but I got my Canada RFC Canada tour top on, which tour which never happened. So it'll become an heirloom at some stage because we never got there. So what we decided to do as a club, so I coached at my local club, Carly got um, maybe we'll touch on after, but. So when our tour got cancelled, we decided to do to try and keep the boys healthy and raise a bit of money for the local community and the local food bank. Um, we decided to run, cycle, swim, row to Canada and back, uh, virtually, obviously, um, through Strava. And one of the boys set it all up again, above my head how he did it. But whenever you, you did an exercise, it would add on to the miles. Um, and then we got to Canada and back, and then we decided then to get ourselves around the world as well. So it, it got bigger and bigger, and one just the rugby boys in the end, it was friends, family, and, you know, the wider Caligot community, which was, which was really good. So, yeah, we got through that and, yeah, I'm still trying to do a bit of running. Um, my knees don't thank me for it, but it's the only thing that seems to keep the weight off. So, yeah, I keep trying to do what I can do. That's because the last time we saw you, you were playing for London Welsh uh, in, their, in their last match, actually, which is pre-COVID in that charity match, which is headway. How did you enjoy packing down with uh, Mr Mills again? Yeah, it was good. It was good. I was literally, as I just said to you a bit ago, I was just on the phone to Millsy um, just before you rang then. And yeah, it, it's great. And it's it's the one good, no, it's not the one good thing. It's, it's a good thing about my job is I speak to a lot of ex-players, people just because, you know, maybe they want the mortgage finance, etc. So I end up keeping in touch with people more than I possibly would have done if, you know, if I didn't have to speak to them. Everyone's got massively busy lifestyles these days and trying to keep all the keeping in touch with everyone is, is, is hard work so it's nice when you know like you speak to Mills you know or then you go and meet him at, at that day um it was a good, good game you know the third quarter I think killed us a little bit we had a bit of a bit of a blip in that third quarter a bit like the Wales last 10 minutes yesterday against France <laughs> but um yeah I thoroughly enjoyed it I love being back down there um dodgy some dodgy refereeing decisions that day but you know standard yes exactly um but the, the biggest problem with that day was um again as a as a club to raise money for our tour to Canada, we had a night with Brian Price, the ex-British and uh, Irish Lions, who went on the 66 tours. He used to teach at Caligot um, Comprehensive and still lives in Caligot. Lovely, lovely go, guy. Um, you know, you won't mind me saying he's mid-80s now, but really good night. Obviously, I'd had a, a fair few beers that night trying to, because I organised it and tried to keep everyone on their toes with a bit of comparing, etc. with another lad from Caligot and... Um, yeah, so it was a bit worse than where before we started, and <laughs> even in the warm up, it was hard work. But yeah, thoroughly enjoyable. No, no, it's, it's good to see you both. And this, you know, I so say that's uh, hopefully, you know, that, that'll come around quite quickly again because that, that'll be, you know, February, March time. We'll be playing Inga the Twickenham, and we'll we'll sure to put on, you know, the marquee again and a, and a match. And I think a lot of the first team players were rested for that from London Welsh because we were focusing on the league. And yeah. a lot of the players were gutted then because obviously you know, we'd, we'd lost and it didn't matter. It was just a great yeah. occasion. But, um, you know, the competitive element of, the, of that squad really wanted to, 
to put one on headway, I think, and we might we yeah. might ask them back, but who knows? But we talked about the Six Nations, and we watched last night. So you know, what what an advert for rugby that was. You know, what what did you make of it? A oh, fantastic game, first and foremost. I thought you, I really really enjoyed the game, whether it was you know Wales playing or not. You know, obviously sport Wales, but I thought it was a really really good game. Um, well, the referees kept the game flowing. I thought you know the, again, I may be wrong, but I think they got majority of their decisions right. I still think that they, when we're going over, going for the line, um, you know, obviously Sinbind, uh, the tight head for France, who was, or I was, um, I'd be disappointed. And I'm sure Alan Wynn was disappointed that, you know, that wasn't a penalty try. If that's a penalty try, that's a bonus point at the very least. That's the championship in the bag. Um, if it stops France catching them, whatever they do against Scotland next week. Um, and it's probably, I know they've come back from 12 down, but I'd be surprised if they could come back from you know, a further score down. So very, very disappointed, but as a spectacle um, and, you know, as theatre, what sport should be, absolutely brilliant. And it's, again, I was saying this to my dad the other day, having sport during this lockdown is, is I think it's been a saviour for a lot of people because, you know, otherwise, if a lot of people are working from home, the weekends just blend into the week. You end up doing, just doing stuff on Saturday and Sunday because there's very little else to do. So to have that focus and be able to watch a bit of sport, for me, my wife will argue differently. She can't stand the sport. <laughs> but um, for me, I yeah, it gives you something to look forward to massively. And yesterday was great because, you know, usually we might be at our rugby club or even at the game. So you wouldn't normally watch three internationals of that quality, you know, back to back. So to be able to sit yeah. down at home and watch the three games, you know, I, I loved it. It just shows you the, the fine margins of international rugby, you know, how many you know times the TMO came in, you know, was it a try, wasn't it a try? You know, even after the TMO, people weren't sure, but... You know, Luke yeah. Pierce backed himself a lot of the time, was very clear in his communication. And you're right, you know, the, the penalty try is only a penalty try if it probably would have scored. And I think that in hindsight, they'd look back at that and think, might have got that one wrong. But they got so much right and the game was oh, so fast. Yeah. You can't yeah. really, you know, and we'd, we'd had a lot of luck earlier in the tournament, hadn't we? So I think yeah. Yeah. maybe, maybe, you know, probably a fair result. You look at the whole tournaments, did, did we yeah. deserve a Grand Slam? But, you know, I'm just pleased the way we've progressed as a, as a nation playing rugby now. It's we play, That game was played in the way we, you, you want to see rugby. Do you know what I mean? 100%. 100%. And I had um, one of my mates is flat out all, all in footballer that doesn't really understand rugby, doesn't really watch rugby, but watched the game yesterday. He mentioned me, he said, fully enjoyed it. And he said, how good is VAR? You know, because I don't know what they have. Because, again, I don't watch a great deal of football. But their goal line technology, etc. He said, as a someone who doesn't really watch rugby or understand rugby as, as much as someone who's played it quite a bit, he, said, he knew exactly what was happening, why that decision was being made, how it was being made, what the protocol is to make that decision. It just makes it, I suppose, as a spectator, whether you're international watching it or whether you're someone who just picks up and watches the game, you know, Wales game every now and again with a with a daffodil on your head and you know it makes it it makes it clear for them. So it's yeah, it's much more enjoyable. Yeah, Wayne and Luke dynamic work well. They were just so clear about the laws and the process they're going through. Whereas in football you don't hear that communication. It's just like basically no, silence. Decision. Yeah. So it's well, but look, that's that's Wales. Let's let's talk about you, Mike. That's what we're here for. So I so, see you know uh, massively into your rugby. You you um, you know, where were you brought up um, as a as a junior, and what, what sport were you into as a child? Was it was it always rugby? Pretty much, yeah. Um, so I live in Caldicott, little town, obviously London Welsh. Um, come down and played us three years ago, four years ago now, uh, yeah, in a friendly. Um, I had a word of Lowy and managed to get that organised. Um, and then realised that weekend I was actually in Greece on holiday. Um, <laughs> some of the boys would say I'm permanently on holiday, other than, obviously other than last year. Um, so that was a real 
bit devastating. But yeah, Caldicott managed to sneak the win that day. But always lived in Caldicott, even when I've travelled to, you know, Bridgend, Swansea, Birmingham, even London. Um, which I'm sure we'll touch on after. Um, always stayed here. But rugby's quite a, you know, you'll sign a two-year deal. You don't know when what's going to come after that, unless you're a top-end international. So um, my wife's always been a teacher in, in Caldicott in the school. Um, so yeah, hers was the, the steady job, I suppose. So. Um, always lived in Caldicott. I still help out with the coaching at Caldicott. I have done for the last since um, I finished. So when I finished, I went and did a bit of coaching at Evervale and then put my hand in with Caldicott a little bit as well. A lad called Reese Buckley was at the Dragons. So when he was away with the Dragons, if I could, then I'd come back in and out of Caldicott at the time. So yeah, my uncle took me to rugby when I was probably about five, six. Um, did all my minis and juniors. Early got a really good minis and juniors section there. Um, played my youth rugby there and then my last year of youth um, ended up going to Ponypool um, played some some youth rugby there with some now good mates as well um, and played a couple of first team games in my last year of senior senior youth there um, with David Bishop as the, as the coach I literally only had two games um, but yeah so you, you had to move to Pont so from Caldicott to youth. That was seen as progression to Pontypool because they were a bigger club potentially and a higher standard of rugby. And you know that you also aspire as a youngster to be playing at a higher level. And if your your club couldn't really do that, then you you had to sort of take that avenue. Yeah, exactly that. So I'd been there's a few a few different clubs. It's only really you know close to us. Is you've got Newport and Pontypool. So I spoke to Newport. The previous year about going there to play play youth rugby as well but um stayed loyal i suppose to to cali got one of the play with my mates um and yeah and then ended up as i said last year then i decided to go up to Ponypool um and see what the see whether there's anything we could we could do with rugby and yeah fully enjoyed my time there played a bit of um sort of gwent schools which is supposed to be like your middle sex schools and stuff um but never really started that until Probably 16, 17, um, probably a class as a late developer. Um, had my eyes on doing other stuff when I was uh, a, bit, a bit younger, probably. And because my dad's, you know, would happily tell everyone and anyone if he wanted for rugby, maybe I wouldn't have um, turned out the way I did and maybe I could have gone down another path. But um, yeah, it's, you know, I've thoroughly enjoyed my time at Caldicott and yeah, it's really good. So, um, you know, at what stage do you think? Um, rugby could have been the path you, you were taken as a profession? Because you didn't go straight into rugby from Pontypool. You went to university, didn't you, to, to yeah. study PE, is that right? Yeah, so PE and history. So I think, <clears throat> you might know better than me, I think rugby went professional in 95, 96, It did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I was only, what was I, so I would have been 18 then, so you know, going through all your school, it'll never really, you know, what you want to be when you're older, a rugby player. I put down, I think when I went to my careers meeting in year nine, year 10, whatever it was, I wanted to be a fireman. Um, or a PE teacher so I thought right I'll give this a go as a PE teacher I went up to one of my mates had gone to Wolverhampton University the year before um, so I went up there met a guy called Tony Lanaway who was in charge of England students and, and all that so he sold me the dream of you know this is where you should be coming to play rugby and all that um, so I went up there did my degree for three years up there um, PE and history graduated from there while I was up there I played rugby for Walsall as well um, with Dave Rose as my coach, the, the referee. Oh, yes. As, uh, 
Yeah. Uh, you've got a bit of a thing with Dave Rose, haven't you? We'll come on to that later about <laughs> your, your uh, him refereeing you. But um, where did they play then, Walsall? What sort of what like level did they play? Um... So Walsall were then with what they called Juicing Two North, I think it was. Um, where that is, I don't know. That would probably yeah. would have been level four, maybe level five. Um, so it was still a pretty high standard for you know eighteen year old to go straight in there and play. We won the Staffs Colts, sorry, Staffs Cup for Colts and seniors that, that year, and I managed to play in playing both for them as well, um, which was good. And yeah, as I say, Dave Rose was up there uh, as, a, as our coach and yeah, good times. Hard as well, obviously with the university rugby on a Wednesday and the, the drinking that goes with that on a Wednesday afternoon as well after and then yeah, training on your Thursday and then playing on a Saturday again. So, yeah. Well, you call that rehydration, don't you really? I suppose when you're a student, exactly. but I suppose when you're 18, 19, you, I think you can do that a lot more than when you're oh, 20, 29, 30 and uh, but you know, that or, or thirty-seven trying to play in that charity game. That was uh, <laughs> doing that. I always find the transition because you know my lads are coming to like 15, 16, and who knows what, what they'll do. But it's a quite it's quite a step, isn't it, from like cult rugby to senior rugby? Because you're playing against people who could be 35, 36, and you're going. Were you have you always been a lock as well? Have you been in the engine room yeah. since day one? So that that's not an easy position to play at 18, 19, is it? No, it's not, and. Um, so I still played a few games for Caldicott as well. We had some amazing trips because it was it was national leagues in Wales then. So we'd go up to we'd play Rill, we'd play Bangor, and um, so you'd go up on a Saturday and then you'd stay Saturday night. And oh, there's still some of the best experiences I've ever had in playing rugby. You know, with boys who've been working shifting Lamwern and you know getting away from the from the families for a weekend and just having drinking and you know always be singing. And, I think probably singing's gone away from after the clubhouse a little bit, maybe not so much in London Welsh with the choir, but um, a lot of the older lads, it, it was good, but it was tough, tough rugby. You, you know, you wouldn't have Wayne Barnes sat in a truck with his mask on looking like a Bond villain. You know, you'd have <laughs> one, of their, one of their committee men is probably the referee and it was, yeah, anything goes sort of thing. It was, it was proper brutal, you know, and well, it was violent at, at times and you soon had to realise whether you're 18 if, if you act, if you don't stand up for yourself, then you're going to be the one that gets picked on because you're the youngest on the other team. But I had some great people looking after me as well. And it was, yeah, good times. You need that. And that's actually, it's, it's probably, it's less about the rugby, really, when you go for those weekends away. That that enables a weekend away with your mates, yeah. isn't it? And you, and you have a few, you know, few few drinks with the other team, yeah. you have a social, the bus back. That yeah. that's, that's rugby. It's actually not the game, is it, really? You probably remember best about the games and more about those other social oh, experiences. Yeah. I couldn't tell you a single thing about the games on those trips, but and I can't really tell you a lot about the other stuff, but that's not, that's by choice. But yeah, the, you know, the trips you say, it's very rare you can get 30 like-minded people to go away and, you know, play an hour and a half of rugby or get the hour and a half of rugby done with and then, you know, go and have a drink with some people you've grown up with in school or, you you know, you'd be playing with people who you knew their, their dad or, you know, in Caligot School, like a small little community, you don't get players coming in from anywhere else. Um, so yeah, you know everyone there, and it's just it's just great, great trips. Yeah, that's brilliant. But you, uh, did you play for Wales students at all when you were at Wolverhampton? You know, because uh, you mentioned one of the coaches was there with England students. But did did you represent Wales students at the time? Yeah, so I went to I went to England students trials um, in um, oh, I can't remember the name of the place now. Lovely, lovely place um, where they stayed, and then uh, thankfully I had the call from Wales students as well um, to go for a trial down there. So I managed to captain Wales students for. My second and third year at Wolverhampton and my uh, year at Exeter University, which was, um, which was yeah, 
really enjoyable. Uh, we had some great trips again with her. Played with Ed Lucy when we went out to France, played against French students. Uh, trying to think of anyone else who played for London Welsh, who would have, would have played with at the time. But no, uh, it's, and it's a sh massive shame that you know Wales students is one of the things with the funding cuts that seems to have gone because we had some you know really good players. Kerry Sweeney would, was playing with us at, at the time, and quite a few boys who've gone on to kick on to further internationals. And I think the England student pathway still they play, I think they still play France and Ireland students, but um, yeah, it was get to sing the anthem and play against national teams and just say went to France, played out in Ireland, and you always play the weekend of the you know of the full international, so you get all a similar kit and everything, and you'd be you know up in Scotland because you'd be playing Scotland on the on the Friday as well, and then you go to the games, they give you a ticket to the game, and yeah, again, really really enjoyable for you. Yeah, great weekend. But now it's like it's the Bucks League sort of overtaken all the sort of student rugby and there's a lot of quality in the Bucks League and then people who want to go to pro rugby possibly go to the regions now through the pathway to the regions and because they yeah. see it as a job and probably less seen as a job, you know, back in your day and more Obviously. of a, you know, be a, uh, you know, bit of fun, you know, great to represent your country um, and then as, whilst you're studying for, you know, suppose your your career. Yeah, I think it was only my... my... When I went to Exeter, so I ended up going to Exeter through university, basically. So Ian Bremner was a coach at the time when he used to play at the county ground. His son was at Wolverhampton University, university with me, Robbie. So he'd come up and watch the game. Um, I did all right in that game. And he said, well, you know, what? what's your plans? I said, well, I'm going to go do my PGC now. That's my plan. I'm going to become a PE teacher. He said, well, what do you think about Exeter? And I was thinking, well, I'd love to go there. But, you know, um, they're one of the top PGC can, uh Colleges in the country for PEs, they were then, they still are now. Um, so I said, oh, you know, I'd love to. I'd been for um, an interview at UIC. UIC had pretty much told me that I couldn't, if I if I went there, I would have had to have played for them in their league rugby on a Saturday as well. Um, and I was flitting around thinking maybe I could do something with my rugby at the time. They were not, well, they were level, so they would have been level two, but usually towards the end of level two. And um, so yeah, I said oh, I'd be love to. I went down and had an interview with um, the PGT course there, and I ended up, you know, he offered me a scholarship. So I ended up playing for Exeter Chiefs, Exeter University, on a scholarship, and and that's how I ended up down there. So you played both for the university and, and the Chiefs. So was that well before they were Chiefs, obviously? But then that's before. Well, they, were still, they were still yeah, they were still Chiefs then. Uh, oh, they? they were playing. Uh, they were playing at the at the county ground. I don't know if you ever went there. It was like a uh, speedway track around the outside of it. Um, so I, played, I was playing, you know, second row with Rob Baxter, yeah. you know, the Chiefs head coach, his brother Richie, um, some some real good guys. Um, Andy Beatty went on and played quite a number of times for for Bath. He was he was on the same scholarship as me as well. Uh, but it was by far the toughest year of my life I, I've ever had. Even so, I normally my normal week would be you'd be in college or in school, so Monday to Friday. Um, but I'd have Wednesday afternoons off to go be able to play for the university side because that was part of the scholarship. Um, you train with the university on a Monday night, so you get on from school at I don't know, half past five, you have a quick bit of food, then you'll be training at half past six. Same again on a Tuesday night, then you'll be training with the Chiefs, then you train with the Chiefs again on a Thursday, you play on a Wednesday, then you play on a Saturday, and if you're going up to Oral, Sedgley Park or someone like that, you travel up on a Friday, so they'd have to try and have a Friday afternoon off, and then Sunday was literally trying to get all your school work done because the amount of planning and stuff that goes to being a teacher is is berserk. Um, so yeah, it was by far the, and on top of that, I was also captain in Wales students. So um, it was a tough, tough year. Enjoyable year, but a tough, tough year. 
Full on. Did you ever play against London Welsh then? Because you'd have been in like, was that Juice and National One or something? Was it, was it like level two or level three with Exeter? Because I know we were we were in, like, in the sort of mid to late nineties. London Welsh were around level three and two sort of thing. Did you ever come across them? Yeah, so they then? were. I'm I, I trying to think about this before you were. Uh, <laughs> so I was in what year? And I'm not very good at it. But yeah, so I I was at Exeter 2000 to 2001, um, and that was when. So that was still what would have been National One then. But yeah, we played against. Played against London Welsh. Um, it's one of my quiz questions. I used to ask all the new boys who was the player to play against London Welsh. Uh, so I played um, for Exeter, Crawshays, and I obviously ended up playing against them for um, for Mosley in the end as well. So I played against London Welsh three times now, three different teams. I would have liked to have done it for Caldicott as well, but the senior climbs of Greece were calling at that time. But yeah, they were. Um, that was national one as it was at the time. Um, Exeter were, I think we finished about third or fourth. It was normally between that. I think Leeds went up that year that we were, you know, got promoted that year. Um, but yeah, again, it was really enjoyable time down there. But just yeah, sleep was uh, was a rarity. Um, but luckily, because of the part of the scholarship, I, I had all my I, was, I had catered halls, so I had my accommodation given to me. Um, all my food was prepared for me. The first thing you do whenever you, you know, get into these sort of places, you make good friends with a cook. And uh, <laughs> so when I got to school, she'd give me two extra pack lunches. Um, I give her a son a, she said, oh, my son's a Chiefs fan. I said, oh, I'll get him a signed shirt, got him a signed shirt. And my cook breakfast every morning was always have a couple of extra rashers of bacon. And <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's the way to go. Was there ever an option after that one year accident just to stay there and play? Because would they have been part-time or were they a, a mixture of, Amateur, part-time, full-time, excellent. A mixture of both. So I was obviously part-time uh, on the scholarship, getting getting paid peanuts really, but obviously I had all the other benefits that went with it. Um, little, little car, little Nissan Micra, which was nice with Chiefs logo all over it. And um, yeah, it was, I was, so I was part-time, but it was, there were some you know full-time players there. Sam Howard, uh, we had uh, Samoan centre, captain to Tua Baigo, I said his name right there. Um, yeah, there was probably... 10 or 12 of them would have been full-time and then supplemented then with, with everything else. So when I when I left, um, they did offer me another year. So Ian offered me another year. I was having an hour and a bit whether to, do, to go and do a master's and carry on state at Exeter University to do a master's. Um, but yeah, I think I'd, I'd been away for four years. I was still with Hayley. Um, I think she wanted wanted me home and I wanted to, wanted to get back home then. And I, so Pony Paul rang me up, the guy there, Steve Junner. Um, he was a coach and said, you know, come back. And yeah, so he ended up going back to Pontypool again. So you then played at Pontypool. Would that have been the, um, again, this is before regional rugby. So is that then, um, is that like Welsh Premiership yeah. level? Well, yeah. So you had the Welsh Prem and then you had, um, what were we called then? Just Division One. Yeah. So we were in Division One. It's fighting towards the top between us and usually us, Abraham and Koskies. Um, they were the three sides who were, you know, there or thereabouts at the time. Um, yeah, it was again. That was my second. So I had a, a sort of my second spell because while I was at Walsall uh, University, Wolverhampton University, I'd already gone back as well and played a year at Ponypool. So I was trying to driving back and forth from Walsall in the Midlands to Ponypool on a Tuesday, Thursday, and a Saturday. Um, towards the end of it, my third year, they just let me come down on a Thursday. Um, but yeah, I seem to. I've done my miles on the motorways in my time. That's for sure. It's a big commitment, isn't it? To you know, to obviously complete your studies, try and play the highest level of rugby you could do. So you're up Pontypool, and then obviously you then went to play for Bridgend for, for three or four years. Is that is that then when you became a professional option for you, or was that then that you had to combine your your work with your rugby? 
No, so then, so while I was at Ponypool, I did a bit of supply teaching just to supplement my um, supplement my money as well. On the when I left Exeter for the, um, so I was I was earning a bit of money as a supply teacher, but obviously Ponypool were, were paying me as well. I want want a massive amount of money, but it was, it was enough to, to keep me ticking over, sort of thing. And then when I was there, um, Juno had been a, he's like a legend at Newport. He's a legend at Ponypool. He's sort of, um, so he quietly mentions, you know, to uh, Ian McIntosh, a South African guy at the time, that I was, you know, he thinks I should have been playing a bit of a higher level. So I went down there with with him and Alan Lewis was coaching there at the time as well. Um, did like a two-week trial sort of thing. Um, Alan Lewis got uh, let go, I suppose, is the word these days. Um, and then he ended up at Bridge End and he then said, do you want to come down to Bridge End instead? So I said, well, yeah, give it a, give it a go. So I went down there, signed my... Signed a two-year deal with um, Adrian Hadley, who was the chief exec at the time, um, and ended up staying there for, for four years. But still, again, still living in Caldicott and traveling back and forth. So we'd be uh, myself, uh, we'd pick Nathan Budget up. He'd always be about half hour late, so we'd always tell him we we're going to be there half hour before. <laughs> you know, for a man with no hair, how that man still gets by, and I don't know. It seems to take him hours and hours to get himself dressed and ready. Uh, Ryan Jones, we'd pick him up in Newport then, and a lad called Matt James who. Played fullback, who's I think he's now living in Canada. So the four of us would travel back and forth, and then pick up Paul Jones in Cardiff as well. So sometimes it'd be five of us crammed into a, <laughs> a relatively tight car. But. And that, again, that was Welsh Prem, and you also Alfie was there as well, wasn't he? I think was it wasn't Adam Jones there for a while as well at Bridge End. Yeah, Adam, no. as you know. So um, no, you'd have um, Alfie was there, uh, obviously Ryan, but Ryan was straight out of Uwick then at the time. So you know people were expecting. Expected him to go far, but he he never really done anything at that stage. So he was like me and nobody turning up. I suppose he obviously kicked on and did quite a bit more. But yeah, he would. Um, Andy Moore was there. Nathan Budget, David James. Um, I'm trying to think who else was it. Daniel Jones, Chris Stevens, who was like a he played a couple of games to Wales and is you know a gen legend there. So yeah, it was. It's probably the most. The only time I felt for the first day when you turn up there and you, you know you just chucked in, you hi, hi, this is Mike, and you you know introduce yourself to everyone and you start thinking, Blimey, maybe it's, you know you've seen these people play on telly, etc. But that that's probably the only time I've ever felt not in awe, but I'm um, thinking, oh, this is this is quite you know this is quite special. You end up training with these people because um, I know it's my first full time full time gig really, so. Um, didn't know what to expect. Obviously, I'd done all my own training. We'd have weights and stuff for Pony Pool, but again, that's only on a, you know, you do a bit on a Tuesday and a bit on a Thursday when you'd be left to your own then to try and keep yourself fit. If you weren't kept fit, then you, you'd soon know about it. Um, with the grotto runs at Pony Pool, et cetera. But um, yeah, that was the first time when you had someone say, This is what you're doing. This is what you're eating. This is what time you've got to be somewhere. This is the clothes you're going to be wearing. Um, meet your targets, or there's repercussions and you end up with Fat Club, or, you know, it's, but. Yeah, that was really enjoyable. Year. And did you did you enjoy that transition from like um, part time professional player to a full time pro player? Because it's a, it's a jump, and you know, it's, you know you've got probably more spare time potentially. So yeah. you know, did you, you know, work on aspects of your game? You know, I suppose this is before S and C was a thing, I suppose. But I'm sure you had physios there and things like that, didn't yeah. you? Oh yeah, no. So yeah, we still had a, we still had um, physios there and doctor Tony Crane. Tony Crane was a doctor at the time as well. Um, Chris Towers, who's now, well, he was the Osprey's physio the last time I spoke to him. Uh, he was a, um, so we had, yeah, we still had, it's nowhere near as much as you get in a full-time professional environment now. You, you know, you'd struggle to try and get someone to give you some treatment because it'd, it'd only be one of them doing it, whereas now you'd have three or four physios. But um, 
that you soon like soon start to realize once you start lifting weights and start running with these people you start thinking well i'm not a million miles behind these already so maybe this is something we can you know you can make a go at um and it was again that was a it was a great year. I'd love that year at Bridgend, the first year. Um, we're very lucky to win the what was the Welsh Scottish League. So it's we had um I still don't, don't fully understand everyone because we ended up playing, we played Leinster. Um so I'll never forget my our coach was Richard Webster and um me and Brian O'Driscoll had had a had, had a dust up in in the game and we both got sitting binned and he came up to me and said, I'm happy, I'll happily lose you for 10 minutes for getting rid of him. It's the only time I've ever been praised for having a yellow card. But yeah, again, he was a top, top guy, real good coach, um, lovely guy. We went on, you know, we went on tour to Portugal with him and um, with Bridgend, and you know, probably the last of the proper rugby tours I'd, I'd been on. And he, he was just a straight, a straight talker. So I went into the one of the first, after about three, four months, you know, a bit, cocky I suppose when I'm still relatively young and said you know why am I playing and he pretty much said well I want to win the game and the other people who I'm picking are better than you <laughs> so I said ah okay fair enough he said if you want to come back out go back out of the room and come back in again and say to me what can I do to improve so I can get in a team then we'll have a discussion I said okay so tell me between my legs how I go and come back in and yeah he gave me a list of work on but you know realistically they the people who were starting those games then were Andy Moore who's coming international at the time Nathan Budget. Uh, Daniel Jones, who was an international volume, would flit into the second row as well. Um, but yeah, I, I played a, a fair bit in that in that first in that first season, so it was yeah, I really enjoyed it. Well, what a great environment! And you, didn't you uh, didn't pretend win the last ever Welsh Premiership before regional rugby as well? Yeah, and so you'd have been part yeah. of that squad. So before regional rugby sort of came about back in was that yeah, yeah, so uh, we, oh, oh two or oh one or something? I think I don't know. Uh, so we yeah, that was two thousand two two thousand three season. I don't remember that, but I've written that down, so I sort of make sure I did remember it. But yeah, that was that was a really yeah that was the first first league uh, title we'd won, and um, you know I listened just listened to Wellie's uh, podcast now, and he, you know as he said he's, he's fortunate he won two two promotions, and some people some people were you know a lot better than him, a lot better than me, who played a whole career without winning anything. I was really fortunate, I suppose, relatively early to to win a first league title, and thankfully we went on to, we went on to win. A couple more as well, one with the Ospreys and obviously one with London Marsh. So, but yeah, it was really good experience. I remember the last game we played, um, I think it was point we played Pony Priva home against you know, Neil Jenkins and all them. And he was on a you know, a hell of a spree of kicking as, as he always was. And yeah, all the fans come onto the pitch after the game and hugging you and stuff. And it's you realize how much it means to, to you know, to towns in Wales. Um, because Bridgend, to my knowledge, I haven't had a that much of an illustrious, um, you know, cup winning or league winning sides. Obviously, when JPR was there, you know, in the seventies, but it'd been a long time before, you know, since sorry, since they won something, and you could see it, how much it meant to to a lot of them. And you then realise, yeah, this is this is good. You want to have a bit more of this. And then obviously you have all that dynamic then of regional rugby taking off, and we start with five regions. So then, yeah, you know, there's obviously there's quite a lot of it's probably ten or twelve teams going into um in the Welsh Premiership so I have to go into 12 teams into five regions you know were you uh, fearful for a contract or you know so many so many jobs yeah oh massively yeah so yes and no so I, when I first signed the Bridgend I'd signed two years and um Blayton Sandals was the chief exec at the time and he, he's man I suppose to a lot of people in Bridgend some people love him some people don't think he's done very well for the club I got you know nothing but Nothing but respect for him. I signed on a two-year deal, and he honoured that second year for me. So he said, "Whatever, whatever happens, Mike, your money's there for 
you know, for this year, whether you end up playing in what was then going to be a semi-pro league in the Premiership, or whether you end, you know, if you if you go to the Warriors, if you don't get if you don't get anything else, if I don't get picked up by what was you know, the Blue Scarlets, Ospreys, or Dragons, um, then that second year was there anyhow. They, they used me as so yeah, obviously Pony Preve and Bajenda come together, which means there's whereas you know, you've got what nine, ten second rows pretty much fighting for four or five contracts. I didn't get a Celtic Warriors contract, but they knew because Leighton was obviously in charge of the Celtic Warriors as well. So he knew what like, he had me at Bajend pay me there. So if ever, you know, if uh, if any of the second rows started second rows would were to go down injured, because obviously Brent Cobain and Rob Sidoni were at uh, Pony Preve at the time, so they come across. Then they knew I was there in the background, so I ended up playing a couple of games for the Celtic Warriors. Literally only two. Um, oh, sorry, three because I played. Against, there's another one. I played against London Welsh for the Celtic Warriors as well. <laughs> but that in the hottest day ever down in. Um, oh, we played in some like army, army centre um, in the Celtic Warriors' first ever game. Played against London Welsh down in London, in I can't remember the place, but it was literally, it was like playing rugby in Dubai. It was I'd never known the UK be so hot, um, and that was the Celtic Warriors' first ever game. It was, there against London Welsh, so played in that one as well. Um, and then, yeah, you know, they obviously had a massively successful season. They, you know, they beat Wasps they, and finished, I think, I might be wrong, but I'm sure they finished the highest out of the Welsh regions that year. Fourth, I think, yeah, they finished third or fourth in that, in that, um, well, Pro 12 or Rabo Pro 12, whatever they called it, the Celtic League. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and it was just that's... towards the end, it was just massively sad. So, we were we played uh Connacht in Galway and Again, he took the whole squad, so we, we were out there a great weekend because I won't play it. <laughs> so, uh, sampled the delights of Galway over there, and yeah, really good weekend. It was also Mervyn Davis's, he was getting married in the summer, so he was a bit of like a, a stag do for him as well, and you know, all the, the dress up and shenanigans and stuff, etc. And um, really good weekend. And then on the you know, the flight on the way home, you're pretty much told that yeah, it looks like they're going to go and make sure you're at the veil. And, that was on must be on a Sunday. Make sure you're at the bail on the Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever it was. And it was, well, again, I didn't go to that because I won't contract the Warriors. But speaking to all the boys, it's pretty much a cattle market. It was four tables. We want you. We want you. We don't want you. We don't want you. And that's the way it went. And it's a big name. You didn't get, you know, obviously Mevin, who was the current Wales international at the time, didn't get a contract. There's loads of boys who just didn't get anything. Pro, pro rugby is such a harsh environment, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like it's one coach's opinion. But you, so after that though, you did um, end up at the Ospreys for a bit, didn't you? So was that it, it, with um, playing for a, a Premiership club at the same time, or? So yeah, so I stayed at I stayed at Bridgend, um, did another two years there, um, a year as captain again, two years of captain at Bridgend. Um and again, it was a similar sort of thing. There was always the, the carrot of the Ospreys dangling, but and, and they, they sort of knew. So I'd have, I'd have chats every now and again, and it was always a bit of time when I'm thinking, well, I'm going to leave now, I'm going to go somewhere else. So I'd have little bits of interest in France, etc. Um, and then it was only really when, and again, I might be cynical and saying this, but so I went out and trained with Borgwan. I asked uh, Bridgen permission to go out and train with Borgwan because they wanted a medical joker because um, they'd lost two second rows. It was good money what they were offering, and it was only for like four months. But they said, obviously, you can play well in these these four months and see what happens. Um, so I went out and trained for how long were they for? Ten days. Uh, unfortunately, the weekend before I got sighted in a game, so I ended up couldn't have gone in anyhow because I got I got banned for for punching someone, um, which was mistaken identity. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's only when they realise oh, actually he may go somewhere. Then about six weeks, seven weeks after that, when I come back, they, you know, they then said, "Oh, come and have a trial at the Ospreys." I was thinking, I went for a trial, but I was what would I have been then? So that was six. So I would have been about twenty-five then. I think it was. I think you've seen me play for three years. I don't really want to be doing a trial, but I did a trial, and it was. There's a lad, Nicky Griffiths, who's probably about 17, 18 at the time. Again, a good mate of mine now. There's a few other younger lads. And I'm running around with, like, I was 24, 25, or maybe 26. But, like, with a load of, like, 17, 18-year-olds. And I'm thinking, there's all this. But then, luckily, they said, well, you've done well. Come up to Loughborough. So I went up to Loughborough. Um, got picked up on the bus where we had for a training camp. And the, the old trick again. So I'm, I pull up on the car, waiting in, on the A449. Um, and the boy said, oh, sit by there. So I sit straight in the barry. Barry Williams, the seat that he used to call a dad, he was pretty much the, he, he ran the whole place. And he's like, oh, what are you doing in my seat? The usual, usual shenanigans. And then that's great, because then you feel like, you know, you are, right, I'm part of the team. I'm actually part of it, because it, as you stand over the band, I start to take the piss. Because I, I knew a few of them, anyway. obviously, Ryan was here, a lot of the boys from, you know, from Bridgend who had, who had gone there anyway. And, um, so, yeah, it was, that, that was, sorry, so, yeah, that was really, um, yeah, that was a really good time. That's how I ended up with the Ospreys. Uh, Lynn Jones was obviously coaching there at the time. Um, great coach, mad as a box of frogs. Like, like I always tell him whenever I see him, I speak to him every now and again. And I say, you're the only man who has sacked me twice, mind. And uh, I shouldn't I shouldn't like you, but I, I don't mind you. I just <laughs> went in a few weeks ago, a bit of some work stuff. And I said, you're the dad, mind, he sacked me twice. Oh, yeah. But no, he's good as gold, Lynn. I get on really well with him. And he, um, yeah, maverick coach, I suppose, is what people would say about him. But as a rugby brain, I've never come across anyone better. Yeah, a lot of people said that about him, you know, and uh, yeah, I, I, I really like Lynn Jones. But look, it's, it's, he, he might also mind, you know, the era of the Galacticos then, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah staff studies squad. So, you've played you know, quite a few games for two or three years, but it was the key game there, probably was the game against Australia, really, isn't it? Was that like, when you look back on your time with the Ospreys, do you think do you think that's one of the highlights for you? Oh, definitely, yeah. That that and um, managed to play a couple of Heineken Cup games, which, you know, we played against to get staff and say at home and sail away. Um, but yeah, the Australia game was yeah, it's probably the biggest game I've been involved in. And again, I remember we used to have like, um, so we'd have our notes, we'd have all our set plays and what, what we're going to do in what area of the field and a couple of line of calls. And he'd always write a personal note to every player. And he was like, don't worry about the first 15 minutes of the game. You will get your breath back. He said, this will be the fastest game you'll ever, you know, the fastest 15 minutes of your life. And he, he won wrong. Like the first 10 minutes, I was thinking, oh my God, I've got to get off this pitch. I'm not going to last this. But then you do after a while you get you get used to it and get into it and um it was the tesco's team as we used to call ourselves so obviously all the, the wales internationals at the time were, were away in camp winning their winning their grand slam so we still have even in those days then you still have probably i don't know many internationals in that team probably eight nine ten internationals you know philo tia tia um paul james was captain obviously capped andrew millwards uh, barry williams uh, stefan de blanchard god knows how many caps in south africa um, but yeah, just a real tight-knit group and an amazing experience. But you realise, you know, the level of some of the, you know, when you go again, it, how, how hard it is. Like I remember, you know, George, uh, George Smith was over, over the ball. You, you, you fly in and you could properly fly in in those days. You know, you don't have to worry about wrapping your arms or where you come from. And you hit him, you think, he hasn't moved. <laughs> and you just, you, yeah, you have that most respect for them. And they... Yeah, because they they were they were still you know a really good side, um, and they had some really good players. I so I played against uh, James Horwell, who ended up with Quinns for a number of years. Um, 
yeah, Adam Ashley Cooper was playing, Staniforth, loads of, you know, boys who went on to have some pretty stellar Australia careers. Well, Horwell captained Australia against the Lions in 13, didn't he? So, yeah, so he's, you know, oh, yeah. he's had a yeah. great career. So, but he had, obviously played alongside Sonny Parker and Lee Beach with London Welsh connections on that day. And obviously Kai came on, you know, when yeah. I had the tw- 20 minutes. But it, you beat, you know, just to be clear to our listeners, you beat Australia 24-16. And it's a famous victory in, Aus- in Osprey's history, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it comes up every year on my on my Twitter feed, and it, you know it's it's yeah. It, it, as I say, it's probably my biggest biggest game I was I was involved in, and, and had a, a real involvement in. So um, you know, obviously played. I think, yeah, I think I played every every minute. I didn't think I come off in that game. Um, and yeah, Musto scored a try to win it. Sean Connor's kicking was incredible that day. Because um, no one really, you know, you go into these games and you want to win, and you always, you know, in my head, I always always think I'm going to win, but the back of your head's also saying, hang on a minute, you know, these boys should be winning this game. Um, but yeah, we flew into them, chucked everything at them, and yeah, it was a real good result. Yeah, that's brilliant. Look, you know, and obviously you had you know, um, some good times at Ospreys at Bridgend, but then obviously after that, you come to ODP. So how did that um, move happen for you, Mike? You know, the, the ODP, you know, London Welsh um, transfer? It's always been my thing, I suppose. Well, before I come to London Welsh, I probably always in the wrong place. So even at the Ospreys, um, like I had, who did we have at the time then? Um, you know, Brent Cobain was, was the current uh, Wales second row. Jonathan Thomas could play second row. Ryan Jones could play second row. Um, Yanto, Ian Evans was was also Wales second row. Uh, Alan Wynn there as well then, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, there's a young lad, Alan Wynn Jones. <laughs> I don't know where. I don't know where he's he a, went. He's had a shit end. career. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I say to him as well, I, um, so we played Bridgen v Swansea the one game and it was proper flooded pitch, which, again, you, you probably wouldn't play in these days. And I would say to him, I, I held his head in, in a puddle for, for a bit longer than I probably should have the one day. And I, um, he always says, oh, you, you realise then you don't want to play this sort of level of rugby anymore. So he kicked on. But yeah, he's... Phenomenal player, and he deserves all the credit and praise he, you know, he gets or is going to get because he's just a machine of a, of a trainer, of a bloke. You know, everyone will always say it. it doesn't matter if he was playing Cali got seconds or if he was playing, you know, your Blacks for the Lions. I reckon he prepared the same, he trained the same. He just, yeah, just a hell of a bloke. No, quality. So, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, we come to, um, th- there was a lot of good second rows there. I, and I want to, as nice as it is, always wearing a tracksuit and being involved. Like my second, my first year, I played relatively quite a lot. Second year, I didn't really play that much. Um, and yeah, it was just like you know, you've got all these people ahead of you. So do you, what do you want to do? And I thought, well, I want to play. So Sean Holly, who had coached me for Wales students as well, um, I don't know how he, but he knew Peter Thomas, uh, who was the chief exec somewhere along the line. And then, because I, I think Pewie had been up there the year before, and Matthew Jones. Um, so yeah, that somehow talk happened. I spoke to spoke to them. I met and met them at the Vale. So Peter and Martin Jones came down to the Vale to meet me. We agreed terms, um, and that, that was that really. And what was that move like though? Because obviously it's a quite a different environment, and you know the, you're training at ODP and playing there is probably quite different to what you'd experienced at the Ospreys. So um, you yeah, know, um, when you got your first day at London Welsh, what do you think? Oh, oh dear. Um, not, not so. I also. Um, my wife was pregnant with my well, my, with my daughter Olivia at the time as well. So I signed that deal probably in in April, 
uh, April, May. Uh, my daughter was born in November. So I was lucky enough, as the boys would always call it, Magic Monday. So I managed to have it agreed that, because I'd be traveling back and forth, and this was going to be their first year of being professional. I know, I think they were professional when Roland was there uh, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, the way, yeah. Um, but this was going to be the first year they wanted to go back professional again. And I just said, look, I'm going to struggle with my wife at home with a newborn baby, with me being away. So they said, we'll just have Mondays off. And Luckily, I don't think they realise how much goes into professional rugby. And when, I, when they said that to me, I was like, oh, really? He said, oh, yeah, we won't do a lot on a Monday. We'll just probably do a bit of swimming. I was just thinking, okay, I like the sound of this. So I managed to get what the boys now famously call Magic Mondays, and I got ribbed constantly and still do. Um, so I had Mondays off, and then I travelled down on a on a Tuesday. But yeah, the first, the first experience, we trained at St Mary's at the time, uh, at the university. And yeah, I, I was used to two, three physios, you know, two or three strengthening, because it was starting to get that way at that stage. You know, all your shakes given to you, your kick given to you, everything was was there, thereabouts. Um, and obviously this was the first bit that London Welsh had been professional. And I think that's what they brought, you know, myself, Alid, who's been at the Dragons and a few others in, um, who'd been in a full-time environment before. Um, but yeah, it was, it was interesting, let's put it that way. That's great, obviously, you know, and, um, you know, the ambition the club was sold to you, wasn't it, at the time, going fully professional. So who were the you know, the key figures in that first season? Because were you made captain as well when you when you joined, or was it was it straight when Richard Martin Redmond was he got he had a long-term injury and then you were appointed captain for the season? Is that right? Yeah, so um so RMR was I think he was captain the year before, wasn't he? Um and then he had done soon to his knee. And it looked like it was touch and go where if he was going to play, it was going to be a good few months into the season. So um, Danny and Martin, I think, came up with a plan that I'd be like pitch captain, so all the decisions on the pitch, and I'd be captain game day, and then he'd take because it's quite a lot, you know London Marsh is a massive club. There's quite a lot of stuff that goes goes behind the scenes, especially as captain. Like I don't know quite a few radio interviews, like bits of bits with the press, and you know going around different schools, giving awards out, and all that sort of stuff. So I just said, look, I can't do any of that. I you know I'm just going to be struggling as it is to to stay up as much as I can. He says, well, as long as you're captain during the week sort of thing, and then on match day, like RMI will take care of, of the other side of things. So they wanted to keep him involved. Um, it didn't look like he was going to play for a while, and as it transpired, he ended up having to retire anyway because of his knee. So, yeah, it worked out really well. And, you know, when, I think it was Danny who asked me, um, just a massive, massive honour. Like, I'd captain Bajen, which was, again, was a massive honour, and I was just massively fortunate again then to, you have to look at that captain's board and to see your name sneaked on there, I suppose, is, you know, it's, it's a proud moment. Yeah, no, I'm sure it is. And also you had that first season, that was the last season of National Ones, it is. So, you know, and also we had that the coaching change from Martin to Danny midway through the season. And he's, yeah. that, you know, the first few results of Danny's struggled sure a bit. He lost then. the load after Martin yeah, left. Yeah, four games on the spin lost. And then Danny then won 10 of the, of the next 14 or something like that. You know, yeah. and, and you know the end of the season really well. But how do you feel your first season at London Welsh went? Because you'd have played quite a lot, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, yeah, I played. Um, again, I don't know the stats on it, but I imagine I played the majority of the majority of the games. And yeah, for, it was it was tough. We went, you know, we went to some. I'm sure it was about sixteen teams. We ended up with like Manchester, Sedgley Park, Otley. You constantly travelling places, and it, it was a tough old league. Um, again, you might be able to tell me. I don't know who won the league that year, but we probably finished third or fourth I think that year um and yeah just really enjoyed it good bunch of good bunch of boys you had 
you still had a couple of the boys like um, Chilts, who was was part time, um, and a few other lads who'd come in on a Thursday. And yeah, it was just it was just a good good crack, good bunch of boys, and you know we played some pretty good rugby as well. Actually, I've just I've got some notes here. You actually played in twenty nine of the thirty league games. So yeah, you're right. You have sixteen teams. So yeah, you, you, yeah, thirty league games is pretty. That's quite a quite. Which a one did I miss? <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I remember. I, I remember. I just remember because um, my daughter was born in November, so I was in training in St Mary's doing weights, and that was on the that must have been on the wet Tuesday. Um, and then I gave my phone to Jenks at the time, said, "Look, I probably she, you know, might, might have to get get going." So I I shot off, and I remember she was born on the on the Friday, and then. Danny, no, sorry, born on a Thursday, um, and then Danny said, "Oh, you can have the, you play Newbury on a Saturday." So we said, "Oh, we'll put you on the bench instead of starting." I was thinking, "Thank you very much." Well, my two weeks paternity leave. I never <laughs> don't get that anywhere as a rugby player. They don't they don't tell you that when you sign up to that. But um, yeah. But did you? You didn't always travel back and forth because you, you didn't you stay in a house in Hounslow at times as well. You had the uh, yes, house, we, yeah. Yes. Yeah, we always travel back and forth. So the first year. Um, I think it was me and Alid mainly. Yes, just me and Alid in the first year. Um, so I did all the driving because Alid was too tight as a West Whalian to, to do any to do any driving. Um, but yeah, we'd stay up. So my first year, I stayed with a lad called Ian Hughes, um, who I'd met playing for the Corshays, like the Welsh um, Invitational side. So I stayed in his house in um, Teddington in my first year, and then the second year, then we used to travel back and forth, five of us. Um, we had a house in Hounslow, and then the third year we managed to stay above the, the Swan Inn in. Uh, in Isleworth, in a in a room there. So, we the normal working week would be you'd come up first thing on a Monday. So we'd leave. Well, I'd leave Caldicott about quarter to five. Beachy and uh, Mark Breeze and would be an hour before that. Um, and then you'd have wait to eight o'clock in the boathouse. Um, and then you'd have a full day Monday, and then Tuesday would be a full day. Wednesday morning, home home Wednesday afternoon, Thursday off, and then back then Friday for a team run. Play stay Friday night and play Saturday. So it was. Um, those early mornings were tough. Trying to lift weights when you've only you know you're getting up at you know, four quarter past four is, is hard work. Uh, that is tough. And, and suppose on Saturdays after the match you'd probably want to go home, but obviously that's also a social occasion, isn't it? So how do you yeah. balance that out, really? Tough. Um, so we normally pick and choose which ones which ones we're going to do for what. We'd always stay behind for you know a good couple of hours after whatever whether we were going back or if we were staying up. Um, yeah, we'd, we'd make use of it, <laughs> stay there. But then again, you know, when my first year, when my, my daughter was born, I using that time to go up there, it was, was mainly used to sleep, so. Uh, that's fair yeah. enough. We've, we've, we've all been there with parents. But the next season, the National One was rebranded the Championship. And that was a season where those mammoth playoffs, I think the top eight clubs were, in the, were in, the, in the playoff for promotion and the bottom four clubs were in the playoff for relegation or something like that. So. Yeah. We had a, you know, a great run, you know, and so what was the, you know, the league's the league, right? But we, we obviously in the pl- playoffs for promotion to the Premiership. What were your experience of those playoffs then in the Championship? Do you remember them? Not not massively. So the, the main year of the playoffs was the, the Pirates away and then the Pirates home. The, the year before, um, it's all a bit of a blur. That that playoff thing, I was, again, I was speaking to um, to Millsy about it before, and I, we, did we beat Bristol quite? No, we, we started off well against Bristol, Um and then we lost. We you lost, lost to Bristol. You it, lost. You lost to Bristol, and we beat uh, Nottingham, Nottingham away, but lost to them home. I think. Was that right? Yeah, I think lots. I think um, sometimes we, yeah, we 
we we we win one of the legs, and but over both legs we 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 lost to Bristol, I think. And um, yeah, I think you had an issue with Dave, David Rose met referee to the Bristol semi final, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So he uh, he knows me quite well, just from well, as I say, he coached me at Walsall and um, and just from refereeing. And he was like, I went down injured, trying to have one of my what we used to call Kit Kat. So if we wanted a bit of time to you know refresh or trying to get messages on us, that we one of us would go down to the Kit Kat course and. He was like, Perry, I just see you go on the floor. Just get up. There's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> I was thinking, you can't stay out if I'm seriously injured. But yeah, he's he's a good guy. Good guy. Yeah, he knew your tricks, didn't he? So, but uh, that's what, yeah. so, but that was um, your second season at the club. But then I see some coaching changes. We had Phil Green in, in and Mike Friday. And also, is that your time of the Hollingshead saga? You know, we've heard from others about, you know, how unsettling that was for a lot of the players because you didn't know you were going to get paid. You, you said you've got a young child, you know, it's your profession. Yeah. You know, what, what was going through your mind at that time, Mike, really? Oh, the, the man was an idiot. Um, that, that was the main thing that was going through my mind. So I, I still don't, to this day, fully understand how he managed how he managed to do it. And, um I, I listened to Calvin's podcast and he went into a bit of detail on it and it started to make a bit more sense. But when he turned up and, you know, you've got to take people at face value, I suppose, and you think that people have done all their, their checks, et cetera. And, but it, it didn't seem right to me from the start, you know, some of the stuff he was saying, he, you know, he came up to me and he said, oh, what, what computers do you want? I was like, oh, I don't know anything about computers. You're asking one guy, yeah. So I'll have an Apple Mac. He said, oh yeah, I'm going to get all the boys at BMW as well. I'm like, I just don't think you're, you're right and then it all come to a obviously come to a head we were down on that marine camp I'm sure the boys have told you this before um that, that was hard that marine camp was horrendously hard like they proper beasted us um so we did like a I can't remember what they called it we do like an endurance uh course where they just flogged you for you'd have station 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 to get to the end and you get near the end they say you're work hard enough back to the start and so you think you're just about to get to the end and then it, it was a line Again, I'm surprised that I'm, I'm, I'm horrendously claustrophobic. Um, and they wanted us to go through tunnels and stuff. And I was just like, I can't, I can't go through tunnels. They said, you're, you know, you're supposed to be uh, one of the leaders here. I was like, oh, I am not going <laughs> in that tunnel. I don't see a tunnel on a rugby pitch. But um, like I still speak to Steve-O and, and a few of the Marines down there now. And it's a great experience and it massively bonded us. But yeah, so we have to run around the lake with... Um, you have like 12 items you had to you had to carry. One of them was a gas mask. You had to put a gas mask on. And this is like maybe a three, four mile around the lake. And you had to carry a um uh like a school crash mat round. So you'd have to have four of you and you'd have like groups of eight or nine and quickest to get round. You get round and then they say, right, off you go again. And you've got to do it again. And you're like, this is just savage. But so we'd done all that. And then obviously it was still it was probably about the third day in where you know the rumors started coming in, and then it was pretty much if you don't hear by Friday, the club's gone, you haven't got contracts. So then you've got, you've got other clubs and agents who are, you know, they start sniffing around. And luckily I, I did have something else to, that I could have gone to, but it's it's not what I would have, would have wanted to do. But there's a lot of boys who who didn't. And it was a lot less money because, you know, clubs know then you've got nothing else. It's mid, well, it's the start of the season. Most of the other clubs have done. Um, I probably wouldn't have taken it because the money wasn't right and I would have been away, away, away. Um, so, but... It was, yeah, it was just really, really uncertain times. But the boys, to put that amount of effort in, you know, knowing that there might not be a job at the end of it, showed the tight-knit group that we, you know, that we had. And thank God for Kelvin stepping in, isn't it, to, 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 you know, to rescue the club. And actually, you know, we went from that, was a pivotal moment, you know, to get into the Premiership in a way, his, his, invo- his, his involvement again, yeah. because 
know, that season we end up with the semi-final defeat against Pirates. Then you know, yeah. Phil Greening goes. You know, I'm not sure you know why he went. So you know, but obviously you know, we got to semi-final. And some people think that's you know that's quite a good achievement. But yeah. Phil, Phil Greening comes, and then your your um, ex-coach Lynn Jones turns up again. So well, that must have been quite an interesting dynamic for you, really, to, to have Lynn back because obviously you played a bit for the Ospreys and. Yeah. You know, he had those honest conversations about where you were with the other second rows at Ospreys, and now Lynn's at London Welsh. So, oh, we're hi, get rid of me again. Yeah, but no, just touching on Calvin, like Calvin and Pat. You know, as you say, them coming in, and I was so so happy for him when he when he did manage to get a, get promoted. Like, I, you know, he's one of the first people I I went to. I went playing in that final when Lynn uh, when he actually got promotion, but he was one of the first. Because when my daughter was born, he um he messaged me and he said, oh, um, what, what's her name? How? What, what date was she born? And what, what was her weight? I was thinking, oh, that's bloody, that's quite, <laughs> it's quite interesting for you know a, a chief exec or whatever whatever he was classed as at the time. And then by the time I'd gone back to London Welsh, he'd got a, he'd had a love spoon card, which I've still got on the wall to this day. You know, with her name on the London Welsh flag, her weight and age, and this little things like that. He, he was such a well, he still is. He's such a lovely, lovely guy. Him and Pat, and they, they cared so much for everything. And you say if they hadn't stepped in then, well, that, the club wouldn't. Wouldn't have, definitely wouldn't have got promoted, but yes. So with Lynn, with Lynn coming on board, I, I spoke to Lynn. You know, I was fine with him coming on board. I was quite happy with him coming on board. Fully respected him as a coach. I left the Ospreys on on good terms. It was a it was a sensible choice. You know, you had Alan Wynn, as I said. You had all those second rows. Um, the likelihood it was I'd be a bit part player, and it's not. You know. I, the reason why I play rugby is because I love playing rugby. I stupidly, that's why I stupidly played and still play in charity games now because I still think I do. And I still, when I do play for those 50 minutes, whatever it is, I love it. Two weeks after, I don't, but that's a sacrifice you make. And yeah, I had honest conversations with Lynn. You know, I knew I was going to be there or thereabouts for the second rows that, that we had at the time. So I was, I was more than happy with him coming in. Yes, yeah, well, so in, you did say, you know, you, you played a bit less and obviously we, we win the championships you know beating pirates home and away so you, you played less was that because of injury form or just competition for places do you think it just because um, you played a lot bit, in the first three years hadn't you yeah so a bit of everything so eqp was my biggest was my biggest downfall um ah. so i'm not english qualified um i searched my mum even tried to argue the case with the rfu that monmouthshire used to be part of part <laughs> of england um but i've got no english in me um i've only got my great grand was irish but that still didn't work so i, I am 100% fully Welsh. Um, so I, I didn't get EQP status. And we had quite a few, what they class as foreigners. And we had quite, you know, we obviously had the Tongans, uh, we Scotsman Gordon. Um, you know, you had the, uh, the Lewis, Lewis, oh no, the Lewis twins were EQP. Adam Brown was English qualified, even though he's, you know, he's not as Welsh as me because he can't be his EQP. But uh, Martin Purdy was the other second row. Matt Corker is obviously as English as they come. Can't understand what he says. Um, so the difference between like Corker, Purdy, Adam Brown and myself and the difference between like Gordon not playing and or Hudson not playing and um, was was too big. So that's why I ended up going ended up going to Wasp. So Lynn said to me, he said, there's no EQP in Wasp. They need a second row. Go there. So I ended up playing I don't know, seven, eight games for Wasp. 100% record for Wasp. Whatever many games I've played, never won one. So, <laughs> oh, no, in the Premiership, this is, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So when I played um, a few games in the Premiership, played LV, um, Wasp managed to score a try for Wasp, which I think I don't think I did for London Welsh. Um, no, you did. So, yeah, you, you had two or three tries for London Welsh. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, According to our records, anyway. I just wanted to say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you teed me up. Okay, you lulled me in there, Mike. You. So and so. Yeah. So I ended up um, 
going to watch with with Di because obviously Lynn and Di know each other well. Um, played a few games there because I was yeah I was an English qualified like the one. It was the British and Irish Cup in that league that year as well. Um, and I remember Lynn pretty much picked. He said because they that counted towards your quota. You had to have a certain amount of quota over the season. It wasn't per game. Um, so I remember he picked like twenty was it twenty one English qualified players for like an English uh, for the British and Irish Cup and. I don't think you cared about what positions people were at the time. As long as you were English qualified, you you could have a game. Um, and I, but then I, I had horrendous problems with my calf. I'd tear it, get right back to fitness, and tear it again. I think my last game in London against London Scottish, um, tore it again that game. Tried to get back for the for the semi-finals, um, and it just it just didn't want to know. So. See, I always thought the EPQ thing was more of like the Premiership. I suppose because we were getting funding from the RFU for the Championship, they made yeah. sure you know they, you know the Championship would be used to develop players. And um, you know, it's such a shame to see the Championship you know not be as strong as it once once was. And it's, yeah. I think it's great that the um, now the Saracens are in there. That, you know, it's really highlighting the, the quality of the Championship. You know, and you know, I just I just hope you know it's a tough uh, league. it is a tough league, and you know, really you know, tough league. You know, they got World Cup winners who were knocked backwards by Cornish Pirates in the scrum a couple yeah. of weeks ago, which is, I think, it's brilliant. I, I think it's a, it's a, especially for a front five forward, like I, you know, I'm old enough at that stage, but if you're a 19, 20, 21 year old front five forward, it's a, it's a hell of a league to learn your trade in. It's a brilliant league. Um, but we went up to, you know, we went to Mosley after Corey Hill came up and he was, you know, they just, it's, it's a tough, tough league. But then that's the main reason why, again, I probably wasn't good enough and one as good as. You ask Purdy Corker and Adam Brown, they'd probably just tell you they were better than me. But um, yeah, it's yeah, I, I think it was more EQP and bad calf that year. So, you know. so obviously injury issues. We win the pre- we win to go in the Premiership, and and then um, you leave to go to Birmingham Mosley because yeah. it just um, I take it just went off at the contract and but Birmingham. No, so, we, so Lynn, Lynn offered me um, offered me another year, pretty much as so he wanted me to be team manager, stroke player. So um, he, he said, design a um, job description for a team manager um, and then put it in and then apply for it. And he said, what I wanted to do is, because obviously they, they wanted to stay in the league, so you'll be team manager, but then you'll play like the LV, as it was, or the, the Parker Penn. Um, and then they'll obviously have their frontline second rows for the, you know, mainly for the premiership, which was their main goal, which I, I was, I'm an iron what to do. I, you know, I spoke to Steve, I spoke to Lynn about it. Um, I had a phone call with them when they were going to meet Gab. They said they were on the way to meet Gab at the time. Um, and I just, I was, I was, I was thinking about doing it and then it couldn't work that, like Steve originally said that I could do a couple of days of it, all the admin stuff at home, which would have been perfect. But then he said, pretty much, you know, you're going to have to be in London in case there's any issues come up. And I was like, well, I can get to London and now in 45. Carly got is literally just over the seven bridge. So, you know, it's, it's two hours to, you know, to, to all the park. Um, but, so then, yeah, I, I decided decided I didn't want to do it. Or we want we weren't going to work, and then I put myself out there a little bit. And it was like, yeah, I spoke to spoke to Plymouth who were keen, and uh, mostly because I wanted to go part time. I, I knew when I was thirty, was I that age? I'm thirty four, I think. Um, so I knew I didn't have long left. I could always go back to my teaching, but um, I've always been involved in property. I've you know renovated property, flipped property. I've got a bit of a buy to let portfolio now, just from the times during rugby when I want playing rugby. I was I was renovating and doing them up. Um, so I wanted to go into mortgages. And luckily, the, the last game, um, the final where we got promoted, I went up with a, one of the sponsors from London Welsh, um, Sia Green, they were at the time. 
and I started chatting to him and I looked at him at a guy Adam and um, he trained me up and that's where I got my qualifications. So as a so your qualifications as a PE teacher, you didn't really apart from like a bit of supply work at Pontypool, you did you, know, you were being a professional rugby player since then. You've not really done much PE teaching. Um, not, but obviously it might have no. helped you with your rugby coaching, but I suppose you're, you're now, as I said, with a mortgage and insurance advisor and you trained from 2013 whilst you were part-time at Mosley. You've mentioned you, you were there for three or four years. What were sort of the highlights there sort of thing? Because uh, uh, you were in the championship and then you got relegated to National 1 at, at some no, point. I left, I left before you got relegated, so you can't blame that one on me. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, so it was a totally, again, it was totally different, totally different uh, goals for them. Obviously, London Marsh's goal was to get in the Premiership. Mosley's goal was pretty much, they may shoot me for saying this, but I think as long as they finished top 11 when it's 12 in the league, you know, they were relatively happy. Uh, we managed to get the seventh for now. You know, the first year, my first year as captain there, um, beat Bedford away, which was a you know, massive achievement for, for us. We um, I don't think they had done it for God knows how long. Um, but yeah, that, that was probably the, the highlight. And then the Jersey away trips, which are, which are always good ones. Uh, we took that we've taken the youth to Jersey to play. It's, it's, a, it's a great weekend away, um, yeah. even for the little lads. So, do you mean yeah. so? But then, well, my last, my last year at, uh, at Mosley, we. Um, staved off relegation with two games to go so we beat Plymouth at home quite convincingly in the end it was between us and them who was going to go down pretty much but we yeah we bit them at home so in the last game um, was against Jersey away and so I, I had to have another shoulder operation which is which what finished me in the end it was taking out my hands to, to play rugby not like might not have carried on anyhow but um, so yeah I had a weekend in Jersey where I'm to play and drinking Guinness with Magsy so <laughs> Was a, that was a good weekend. Yeah, good fun. So obviously you've been working on your transition out of rugby um, into flash. How, how challenging is that transition though? Because um, some people find it easy. Some people find it a real challenge for being a professional athlete to be, you know, to, you know, finding the right career choice for you. But you yeah. seem to have uh, managed that transition quite well. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, I'd agree. I, I have managed it well. Um, I knew I was never going to make a, a fortune out of rugby. And I'm, I'd like to think I'm, relatively intelligent enough to think that right at some stage rugby's not gonna not gonna happen. So I started looking around. I didn't really want to be a teacher. I, I seen how it work my, my wife does and all the planning and stuff that goes into it. And um and with teaching there is a ceiling of you know what you can earn as well. I always wanted the job where you know the harder I worked, the more the more I can get paid basically. Like with, with teaching it's you can be the hardest worker or you can be the laziest worker. You're gonna get you're gonna get whatever your abandon is. Um so I and I've I've always you know renovated, held properties. I've always been interested in properties, bought my first one at 21, the year I came out of university with a bit of money I saved up from, from playing for Pontypool and Warsaw and my student loans and just taking money out and just kept on going with that. So I always wanted to try and get into property and luckily mostly was part-time, so we trained Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, Thursday night. So I'd have, I'd have time to, you know, revise my exams, sit my exams and thankfully pass my exams. Oh, brilliant stuff. I'm very pleased about that. And you just you mentioned you did a little bit of coaching as well once you came out of Birmingham mostly with Ebu Vale. Was that like yeah. a part-time coach because they were in the Welsh Prem then? So did you enjoy that? Yeah, loved it. Um again, that was that was tough. Um I went up so when I finished at Mosley, I had Murphy offered me a contract to play, but I just I, I can't play. My shoulder just doesn't work anymore. I can't still can't lift it above my head properly. But um so then um yeah, Ebu Vale came along, Chippy Jason Stranger was coach there at the time. Um, rang me up and said, do you want to come up for a chat? And then literally about two days later, got offered a job as a Wales 20s coach. So so we left. But um, yeah, met Ever Vale, went up there with Nigel Davis, Kerry Jones. Had a brilliant year, other than the fact that I went and played a charity game for the for the Marines through our link up through that 
week of hell we had with London Welsh um, and snapped my leg out in Gibraltar. So I got stuck out in Gibraltar for five days. So, um, but other than that, yeah, I'd, I'd love to coach him, but it's it's hard and it's, um, it's yeah, it's, it's hard work. And but it's you know we won the league that year, um, which was really rewarding. And so yeah, really good. So it's all consuming as well, coaching, isn't it? So you're coaching at Caldicott now. Is, is that the the Caldicott like senior team? Yeah, you're. you're you head yeah. coach there or helping coaching? No, no, no. So, so I just help out with the with the forwards. Um, there's a you know there's there's a few of us who down there who help out. Um, and I'm probably gonna, I probably I did say to him last year that probably my last year, but obviously then this has happened. So I might might dip my toe back in again now. But um, I got two of my godsons, Max and Kellen, who are seven uh, under no you know under eights. They'll be so I keep on promising my mate I'll go down there and help him with them a lot as well. So try and get. Learning to coach kids again, um, trying to do a little bit of them possibly, but yeah, I'll keep, I'll keep my toe in. It's, it's where I go on a Saturday night, so I might as well go down on a Saturday day as well. So. Yeah, it's very rewarding coaching kids, but you know, uh, you obviously you coach you know, um, Abu Vale, things like that. Look, I've got some quick fire questions for you now, right? Because in your second or third season, you've done a profile for the programme. So it's, it's, so um, I'm going to ask you some of the similar questions, see if you remember um, the answers for these, right? So, um, what is your nickname? Uh, Pauly. The body, the body. You oh, said. Oh, no, the body. Oh, even better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, your favorite TV program? Neighbors. Correct. Favorite music? Banger Boys. Correct. Um, uh, first reg- rugby memory. Uh, my uncle taking me to rugby. Yeah, is that um, uh, best London Welsh moment? What year was this? Uh, well, it's the third season of London Welsh, the beginning of the season, I think. Oh God. Um, being me captain. That is, and then taking silver in London Welsh speed testing amongst the forwards, you said. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Cheated out gold, yeah, but it was second fastest forward. And worst London Welsh moment? Oh, God. Um, probably that, um, something about Maria programme when they stitched me up and I was live on telly flying through bloody pads, was it? No, it was travelling and living with Saul Nelson. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's... And your worst habit? Being too generous. Correct. So there you go. Look, <laughs> that's not bad. That's, that's pretty good because you probably put some of those in as a joke as well, so which is quite good. Look, you know, you made 100, 102 appearances for London Welsh across four seasons, yeah. eight of them in the league, right? You scored four tries, right, for London Welsh. Okay. So when you, look back, this, huh? <laughs> so when you look back at your career, what does your spell at London Welsh sort of mean to you, Mike? Oh, it means loads. Um, like it was where my, you know, my daughter was born when I was playing down there and just little things like you know, she was crawling around down there and just you know having a having a bum changed on the on the pool table there, and people in the shop come out and give her like a, a baby grow and, and a hat, and just people are so friendly to you know my wife when she come down there because they could see she didn't have a clue where she was going. Had thousand and one bags as they do. My daughter was causing mayhem in the clubhouse, and people are just massively friendly. Like Kelvin buying that love spoon for, for us, little personal touches like that. Um, getting on that board, captain's board, and just. I suppose the biggest thing always, you know, the mates I've made from there. Um, I, I, but that's the same with, with a lot of clubs as well. I've made some really, really good mates. Like, you know, I, was, I was speaking to Millsy literally just before you, you come on. I've spoken to, you know, probably four or five ex-players from London Welsh in the last three weeks. Um, it's, yeah, it's probably the mates and, you know, everyone loves winning trophies. I was going to say I was fortunate enough to win three leagues, but it's, it's the mates you make and the memories you have away from the games. Like, Putting olives in the food and in the grapes was because you know some of the boys hated them and it's it just it's just brilliant brilliant memories that's great look look mike um it's we've had a diff- everyone's had a difficult year 
Um, hopefully rugby's back on the agenda and we get a full season next season, sat in September. You know where we are. C- come come yeah. and visit. Come, come, and, come and speak at one of our lunches. Come and watch a game. We'd love to see you and the family back. Uh, but it's been brilliant chatting to you. Thank you very much. And obviously, come and play in the charity game again oh, if, you, if your shoulder can take it. Don't tell my wife that, for God's sake. <laughs> She'll never let me go back there if I take my boots there. But look, you know, yeah, uh, it's been brilliant talking to you. Um, stay in touch and, and thank you for being a great guest. Stop, man. Thanks very much, Gareth. Pleasure.